Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. My name is David. I get uh, to serve as one of the pastors here, and, and actually, I'm currently the only pastor here stateside. <clears throat> so let's don't get too crazy for this next week. <laughs> uh, no, let's throw that picture up. The Krauses and Plunks are currently overseas in Scotland. Visiting our third elder family, the Browns, Richard and Donna, who are, uh, have been, I guess it's been about six months now, have been overseas in Scotland uh, with a church planning mis- uh, ministry called 20 Schemes. Uh, so we sent them over last summer, into last summer, and uh, continued to make partnerships over uh, on the field over there in Scotland, and the Plunks and the Krauses have gone over to support them, to learn more of what's going on, to support other people that we're supporting there. Uh, and so really, I, we, we, we share this, one, so you can just be aware of, of where they are, but also to be praying. They'll be there through next Sunday, so 10 days over there. They left on Friday, 10 days over there. Um, during this time, we would love if you would be praying with us uh, that they could support the Browns well and support our other partners over there well and, and really pray that it would uh, grow us as a church, grow them, uh, the, the crosses and the punks specifically by, by being on, on the field and seeing what God's doing over there, but, but that that would impact all of us and, and help us continue to grow and think about how God's moving his kingdom throughout the, throughout the whole world. So um, that is... Uh, yeah, that, that is where they are right now, so um, you can be, be praying for them. Today also, as McKenna mentioned, is Family Worship Sunday, so for my kids in the house, good to see y'all. Um, so we typically try to have a couple keywords that uh, y'all can be listening for in the sermon to follow along, and so those I think will be on the screen, there they are. Good news, language, and hero. Good news, which I will say a lot, and language and hero. Those will be the words that you can be, be listening for. All right, let me get this thing up and running. Today will not be a normal sermon in some ways because um, in a normal sermon, we take one text and work our way through. Uh, and we do that for good reason because we want to see what God's word says to us in its entirety and be able to apply all of it to, to us. Um, Today will be a little, a little different, um, but I hope that you can see, or I hope you will be able to see, that my intent of preaching through three different texts and bouncing around a little bit is not to pick and choose the ones that, I, that say what I want them to say, but to trace language. I hope, that, I hope that you can see that we're tracing language from one to the other and trying to understand what the, what the context is. We're in week seven of this Reconciler series, uh, so we had one week to begin a couple weeks on hospitality, a couple weeks on justice, and this is the, the second week on gospel proclamation. Um, I would encourage you uh, to, at this, at this stage, we've got one more week in this series. At this stage, I, I would, if you've got your, got your book down, just write down on, on, on one of the pages, how's it going so far? How is it going so far? And take some time and think about it. Is this, is this impacting you? Has this been challenging? Has this been encouraging? Has this been convicting? Has this been something that's, that you're starting to see some behavior change? So, something that you're starting to see fruit from? 
And my guess is that there's probably some of us that hear that and think, no, I'm not doing very well at it right now. It just feels overwhelming to me, and I'm not doing good at all. I don't know if I have time. I don't know how to make this happen. My life is busy and crazy, and I don't know how to fit that in, and I'm not doing, not doing it well. I, I want to, at the, at the start today, to be able to say, if that's you, if you're hearing, I mean, these, these have been some challenging messages, amen? Yeah? If you're hearing any of these messages and feeling the overwhelming burden of, I've got to do that or else, then please go back and listen to the first one. We're talking about our work, but our work is produced from our identity, and our identity is produced from Christ's work. We are not burdened by having to do this. We are changed into a new creation that now gets to do this. And that's, that might be semantics, but it's true. Right? It, it really is true. If this feels like something that you have to do, the church is telling me I have to go do this. This is what I have to do. And I pray that you could take some time and really understand who you are. And that that would change what you have to do into what you get to do. <clears throat> All right. Last week, Plunk was on Gospel Proclamation, really talking about uh, what fuels it, talking about internal provocation leading to external proclamation, what happens on the inside stirs us up into what goes, goes on outside, both in my worship for God, as, I, as I'm stirred up in worship for God, I, I, I proclaim it. As I'm distressed over seeing the sins or idols of others, I go, I go and proclaim it. But what happens on the inside stirs me up into, into what happens on the outside, what I do externally. Today, I really just want to... Uh, to come back, and, and I, I think today will be very simple for many of us, and will probably be a review for many, but I really want to spend some time and just, just focus on what is this message? If we're supposed to proclaim something, what am I supposed to proclaim? What is it that I'm supposed to say? Uh, and so we're going to do that, so I don't trip on these rugs, uh, we're going to do that by following three different texts, and I just got three different points that I think that we'll, we'll see as we work our way through these through these texts. So um, we will begin in Romans, but let me pray <coughs> and just ask for God's help. Lord, uh, as always in this position, I, I, it is true, but I, I, I need to acknowledge this is your time and your place and your people and your word, and you have total authority here. Please do with it what you want. I'm thankful that you have authority that all authority on heaven and earth is yours. I'm thankful that you have purpose for that authority to produce life and goodness, and I pray that you would do that now through the preaching of your word. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans 10. The, uh, the text that was read starts in verse 14, but let me start three verses earlier in verse 11. <clears throat> Romans 10, starting in verse 11, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul writes Romans uh, a letter to a church that he has not visited yet. He's primarily been traveling through Greece. 
And, uh, and Rome as kind of a central hub of this empire is a place that he's longing to go. He really, uh, he talks about this at the, at the end of the letter in chapter 15, that he, he, de- he, he desires to go to Rome. And really, this is in some ways a missionary letter. He desi- desires not just to go to Rome, but then that Rome would help send him to where he wants to go next, which is Spain. Uh, but he really spends, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the longest epistle that Paul, that Paul wrote. It, he spends a lot of time trying to explain who Jesus is and, and what he has done. And so we're, we're kind of parachuting into the middle of, of a difficult section um, where he's trying to reconcile and help the Romans reconcile uh, what it means or, or how, how God can be, can be righteous and good and uh, and, and what it looks like as, at the same time, forsake Israel, right? Which, which would have been a, a huge issue for Jewish Christians of the time, right? The, 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 the message is starting to go out to the Gentile world, and it seems like the people of Israel are, are, being, are being left behind. And Paul's saying, no, that's, that's not the case. Israel has, a, has, has heard the message and has a chance to respond just as Gentiles heard and have a chance to respond. He says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For, and here's, here, here's what, I, what, what I think brings us here, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And isn't that what we want? That's why we're here. That's why we're, that's why we're in this text today. Because there is salvation at stake. Right? There is salvation at stake. We think of gospel proclamation. There's probably people or groups of people that come to your mind. People who don't know the Lord. People who have rejected him. People have turned away from him. People that have that have never had the opportunity to hear. Might be family, might be friends, might be coworkers or neighbors, might be people on the other side of the world that you know they've, they've, never, they've just never had the opportunity. When you think of the, these, the, the idea of gospel proclamation, there's salvation at stake, right? And Paul says very simply, if salvation is at stake, the answer is to call on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we, we should have the question, okay, so how is somebody going to call on the name of the Lord? And Paul answers that. That's our text, right? Verse 14. How then can they call on the, na- on the one who they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear about, without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The first point that I want to make about the gospel, about this message, and again, today's going to be very simple. I hope in its simplicity the Spirit moves. Number one, gospel is news at its core. News that must be said. It must be proclaimed. It must be declared. It must be shared. What, the, what does this mean? This means there is nobody who will taste salvation by knowing you're a Christian. Or by seeing your good example. That might provoke some curiosity like, it, like the Ashley story. But that is not saving. 
What do they need in order to be saved? They need news. They need spoken, proclaimed, declared, said news. Imagine yourself as a high school student and you're longing to be a part of something. Maybe you just moved to a new town. You don't know anybody there. You're a freshman. You're walking around. Everything's a stranger. You're wondering, where am I going to fit in and where's my place? How am I going to, how am I going to, find myself here in this. And so you're auditioning for everything. You're trying out for every team. You're auditioning for every part. You're trying to join every club. You're trying to find something to be a part of. At that time, you don't need people coming around you and just starting to dribble basketballs, right? You need somebody to say, you made the team. You need the news, not the example, Right? Now, the example can be good. That, that, that might say, hey, basketball is, is, is something that I like, and there's other people that play basketball. But, but I'm, not, I'm not a part until I hear the news. I need the news. This is a spoken message. And so that's where we get the language that we're going to trace today, the idea of good news. Where we get the word gospel, an old, old English compound word, right? Good spell. Good Good spell, message, good spell, gospel. The same in Greek, you, angelion, you, angelion, right? There's, there's gospel, you, good, angelion, message, right? Same root that we get angel from, angel, messenger, angelion, message, good, you, you, angelion. There's your Greek for the day, gospel. It's good news, but it must be said. Go with me for a second. Close your eyes. I want you to picture something. Close your eyes and picture something that you came in here with that's been hard for you lately. Something that's tiring, something that's weighing you down, something that's been challenging, something you don't feel enough for, something you feel your limitations in, something that makes you feel weak, something that feels like you cannot get past this. I want you to think, what would be good news for you right now? What's good news for you in that situation? You can open your eyes. Hold on to that thought. We'll come back to that. When Paul thinks of the gospel and what good news means, I think he thinks of something that doesn't often cross our minds. Well, I, I don't know what crosses your mind when you think of gospel. Maybe you think of uh, Jesus died and rose again and so my sins can be forgiven and I'm not going to go to hell anymore. Now that's great news, right? That's not exactly where Paul goes. <clears throat> Maybe you think of some characteristic of God. God is love. That's good news. Really good news. Maybe you think of some gospel mes- method that you've, that you've heard, some evangelistic tool, Romans Road or the Four Laws or something that allows you to tell uh, in, a, in a very succinct way with, with simple points what God has done. What Paul goes to, though, is Isaiah, and that's strange, and that makes me want to follow the text. 
So that's why we're going to three texts, because I really want to trace this language. When he says, how can somebody be saved? He says, they must call on the name of the Lord. And how can they call, call on the name of the Lord? Well, it's by somebody going to them, by, some, by, by somebody preaching to them, by somebody sending them, because, and then he goes to Isaiah 52, 7. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So for our second point, we're going to go to Isaiah. We're not going to be here long. I'm going to give a little bit of background, then I want to make one point from this, from this text. Isaiah was written uh, a couple hundred years post David and Solomon's reign, right? So if you think of the story of the people of God, they're in slavery in Egypt, exiled out of that with Moses' leadership, brought into the promised land a couple hundred years later, and they established their kingdom after, after a time of the judges. David and Solomon kind of initiate this thing, but then very quickly, within a generation or two, we start to see that the hope of what they longed for doesn't quite come to pass, and everything starts to crash. Everything start, starts to fall down. And, and there's lots of warnings at this time that, hey, if you don't return to faithfulness to who God is in his covenant, then, then everything that was promised to you in this kingdom is going to be taken away from you. And that's ultimately where they end up. And when Isaiah is writing to them, with the text that we're in, he, he's writing to a people who have been taken in exile and held in captive. Just imagine some foreign power coming into our land right now, some tyrant dictator full of evil and selfish ambition coming in and just wiping this place out and taking us all away to a foreign land. And every single thing that you know about life that you like is gone. Friends, family, land, home, food, culture, language, gone. That's who Isaiah is writing to when he gives this prophecy that Paul then quotes in Romans. I'm going to read a few verses before, and our text is verse 7. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. Isaiah 52. To a people in captivity, in exile, in a foreign country who have lost everything that they longed for in their homeland, he says, awake, Zion, chapter 52, verse 1, clothe yourself with strength, put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will never enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit in throne, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains of your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money, you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live. There's one captivity. Later, lately, Assyria has oppressed them. There's a second captivity. And now, what do I have here? That refers to their captivity in Babylon, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. And here's our text, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. 
I'm going to continue going with three more verses. Listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they will shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The good news that Isaiah refers to is the good news of the kingdom that was lost but it's going to be reestablished. My second point, first point, the gospel is news. It must be said and it must be see declared. The second point, though, is that the gospel is a holistic story. Imagine yourself in that foreign land, in that captivity, and you get news that you are going to be able to come home, that somebody has come to redeem you and bring you back. At that point, what aspect is good news? Is it just relationships? Is it just forgiveness? Is it just hope? It's holistic, right? It's everything. It's literally everything. You are here in this place that is not your home, and you are being brought back. It's all of your life. It's a holistic story. The gospel is not one, it is one simple message, but it is not just one simple thing. It's everything. It's everything. One of my favorite things to do when I meet somebody and I'm hearing their story is to ask them, what about the gospel was the first good news for you? Here's, here's, the way, here, here's the way I'm thinking about this. I think a lot of times when we think of the gospel, we think of the idea that Jesus died and rose again, and so I can be forgiven and saved from hell. That is true. I don't want to dismiss that. But it's just so much more than that. It's the whole kingdom. It's cosmological. When I was 18 years old, the idea of forgiveness was not that good a news for me because I wasn't that in tune with my guilt. the idea of purposefulness was I was wasting my life pursuing things that I knew were dead ends and they left me empty and I hated it the first good news that I heard about Jesus is that he made me and he redeemed me and so my life had purpose I could do something that mattered for eternity I was made for that that was great great news I talked to somebody this week that the first good news that they heard about the gospel, again, I'm not saying that it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is the gospel, but it's not only forgiveness. The first good news that they heard was relationship. Unending, deeply intimate, always present relationship. That was good news. Good news? What was the good news for you? Is one of those right and one of those wrong? No. They're all right because the gospel's holistic. It's a whole story. It's the whole kingdom. It's all of life. So when Paul says, we tell the message of the gospel, he goes back to Isaiah and says, remember this story from the beginning all the way up until now of everything that God's been doing? That's the gospel. 
Does that mean when I share the gospel, I have to share every single part of that story? No. It means I get to speak to what's hard for this person right now. How are they interacting with this, this world that's broken? And how does the gospel speak to them? I needed somebody to preach to me about purpose. When I was thinking all of life was meaningless. My friend needed somebody to preach the gospel of relationship when they thought everybody would leave them. And when I recognize how much I'm guilty, I need the gospel of forgiveness. Not a different gospel. The same gospel. Because it's a holistic story. Now you might be thinking, this, is, this would be worthwhile asking. That's point two, right? Romans, the gospel is news, it must be shared. Isaiah reminds us that the gospel is a holistic story. It's everything. It's God reigning. It's bringing the kingdom. It's a whole way of life. It's every single thing. But I thought this was supposed to be the gospel of Jesus, and so how does he fit in? Good question. It's a fair question. The reason why our fourth, I mean our third text is here is because I really think Jesus, when he comes on the scene, has Isaiah 52.7 in his mind, and I think you'll hear it. Mark 1.14. After John was put in prison, this is, this is a common introduction. These are the first words that Mark uses, uh, the, the first words of Jesus that Mark, that Mark records. And this is similar in Matthew and Luke. They record a very similar phrase at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is how he introduces himself. This is how he begins his ministry. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Do you hear it? Do you hear Isaiah 52, 7 in there? I really believe Mark is recording that Jesus saw himself as the hero of Isaiah 52, 7. You want good news where God comes to reign? Guess who I am. I'm the hero of that story. Isaiah says there will be a time when the kingdom will come. Jesus says the time is now. Isaiah says there's going to be good news coming in, 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 in a person's message who's proclaiming it. Jesus says, I'm proclaiming good news. Isaiah says the good news is God is going to reign again. And Jesus' first words are, the kingdom of heaven has come. Jesus is the hero of this story. Point three, the gospel is Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. It's news, it must be shared, it's holistic, it touches everything, but it is one person at the same time. Go back to what we, you were thinking about at the beginning. I don't know what came to your mind when you thought of something hard that you're going through right now, but here's what this says. This tells us that the good news that you are longing for is Jesus. Now that might sound overly simple and like the church answer, but it is true. No matter what you are going through, because there is news that has been declared that is holistic and touches every area of your life, the good news that you long to hear is Jesus. So I'll just ask you again, thinking about what you thought of earlier, how is Jesus good news? How's Jesus good news?
Maybe you thought of somebody who's sick. It's been really hard to deal with. How is Jesus good news? The thought in your head might have been, good news sounds like somebody's healed. And that is good news. But Jesus is better news because Jesus says, I'm definitely going to bring healing. And until I do, I promise your sufferings will not be pointless. Matter of fact, he says, this light and momentary affliction is, is not just something that we have to get through, but it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. So Jesus is better news than just healing. Because he says, I'll bring healing. And even until that point, there's great purpose that's going to prepare you for an eternity of glory. Maybe you just thought of, I'm stressed and I feel like I got way too much work to do. And I don't have the time. And maybe I'll lose my job or maybe this person will be mad at me. I can tell you two or three conversations that I should have had by now and I just haven't gotten around to getting into them. And when I see that person, I, immediately I feel stressed. How's Jesus good news to me? That might be small and minuscule on the grand scale of life, but the reality is it's burdening me, burdening me right now and I need good news. Jesus is good news. Now, whatever you answer to that question, that's not Jesus, is why Jesus says the entry into this, right? He says, the time has come, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the action step? Repent and believe in the gospel. Whatever comes to your mind that sounds like good news, that's not Jesus, must be repented of. It's not to say that it's evil or that it, that it doesn't have any place. It's to say, that's not where my hope can be. I need to turn from putting my hope here into putting my hope there. The, the gateway into this good news is to, is to say, this that I was hoping for is not the best news. The best news is this. I repent and I believe. The gospel is a message that must be shared. It's news. It has to be declared. The gospel is holistic. It's a holistic story. It touches every single aspect of life. The gospel is Jesus. He is the hero. Every single thing finds its fulfillment, fulfillment in, in him. Every good news that I long for, every single good news that you long for, whether it's your stubbed toe or whether it's a death in your family, no matter what it is, Jesus is the good news you long for. Do you believe that? I see one person nodding. Thank you. Do you believe that? Now, the message is on gospel proclamation because we want to be people that share this. I'll close with this. I'm going to be, I'm going to be way shorter than almost all of the other messages in this series. Uh, by like 20 minutes, so you can thank me later. <laughs> From the time we've gotten on some rolls in this one. But I really do want this to be simple because I think the message that we need to hear and that we're called to share is simple. Is simple. There's two two reasons, primarily that that I've heard. Uh, I mean, for a long time, but especially as we've talked to people over these last couple weeks, why people don't share the gospel. Fear being one. Ashley talked about that. We pray that God would give us courage and strength. The second is I don't know what to say. Don't know what to say. I want to close with just the idea 
that the gospel is not a script that you need to memorize. It's a language that you need to be fluent in. Getting this from a pastor out in Seattle named Jeff Vanderstelt. He wrote a book called Gospel Fluency. It's just, it was really helpful. The idea is that the gospel is speaking the good news of Jesus into every single moment of every single day because we live in a world of brokenness and we constantly need good news. And Jesus is not just covering the big things. He's the good news always for everything. So I want to be fluent in the gospel. You think of, you think of fluency or learning a language. I, I grew up in Texas. We took Spanish from kindergarten to I graduated high school. It was required every, every year. But, I mean, you wouldn't have to be around me for two seconds to know that I'm not fluent. I don't know it. I could say three or four good phrases. I could intro a conversation. But I'm not fluent. And I'm afraid too many of us deal with the gospel that way. I know how Jesus deals with my guilt. He died, and he rose again. Praise God. That's great news. But what about when I go over here and I'm overwhelmed with stress? Do I know how to speak? Am I fluent? Do I know how to speak the gospel here? What about here when somebody just left me and I feel betrayed? What about here when the situation's too big and I'm afraid? I speak the gospel. Am I fluent? I'm fluent in the gospel. And my hope is that we'd be fluent in every area with every person that we interact with. But my biggest hope is that you're fluent with yourself. That you're not the voice that drags you down. You're the voice that picks you back up because you know the good news of Jesus. And you can speak the gospel into every single moment. This is why we need people around us. I need, when I get over here and I'm feeling stressed, for somebody to show me how Jesus is good news. I need that. I need you to be fluent to me. I desperately need when I come and feel overwhelmed over something that you would remind me of who Jesus is. And not just how he deals with my guilt. Amen, praise God, he does that. But that you would remind me how he deals with this situation. And that's what it means to be a gospel proclaimer. It means you're able to see people's life and see how brokenness is interacting with them. And you know why Jesus is good news to that. You're fluent. They say, they say uh, with a language that you can really know that, you're, that you've reached fluency, right, when you start to dream in that language. Have you all heard that before? Yeah? I'm not alone. Okay, good. Um, when your daily thoughts, when your subconscious thoughts start to be in that language. When you drive down the road and you're not translating tree, arbol, you're just seeing arbol. Did I get that right? Somebody in the Spanish? Is that right? Okay, thank you. A little bit of high school left over. I don't want to have to spend my life translating or, or even needing somebody else to translate. I want to be fluent. I want to be fluent. I want to be able to proclaim the gospel to myself and to others all the time. And I want to continually to grow. I want to see areas of my life that I didn't think the gospel touched or that I even needed it 
for the gospel to break through and show me radically the good news that I needed to hear. I've experienced the good news of Jesus over these last three years of, of, of this kind of the history that we've, we've gone through in ways that I didn't even know existed. Some of you in this room have heard me proclaim that gospel to you because it was such good news to me. I couldn't help but share it. It saved me. I was broken. How's Jesus good news to you? Right now, I know he died for you. I know your sins are forgiven. I know the majority of you in in this room could repeat that. But right now, in this moment, with the heaviness and the burdens and the things that you're carrying, how's he good news to you? Not for your coworkers and your neighbors and your family and your friends. How's he good news to them? He is. He is. I want to be fluent. I want to be able to speak the good news of Jesus into every single moment of every single day into every single life that I encounter because it's the best news. It must be said. It touches everything because it's all Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word and I pray that you would use it to encourage, convict, challenge, reassure, correct, teach, train. Promise that it won't return void and so I pray that it would not. I pray that you would help us to see the good news of the kingdom that you brought Jesus pray that it would be really, really, really good news to us. I pray in the areas of our lives that we feel like, no, that's not the best news. I pray that you would overwhelmingly show us how you're better news than anything that we could have hoped in. I pray that you would help us to be fluent. I pray that as we experience your good news coming into our life, we would be bold and and unafraid and unashamed because we've experienced something amazing. Help us to be fluent. Help us to speak the gospel into every moment, every day, every person that we we interact with. We pray for our good and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Before we sing, um, we have the opportunity today to uh, share in communion together as a way to continually continue to proclaim the gospel to ourselves. We get the opportunity now. This is, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really uh, interesting. The way Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good news for you, is he connects himself to the story, right? Because it's a holistic story. He takes the idea of the Passover, a meal that, that, that celebrates the, the, uh, the exodus, the, the rescue from slavery, and he says, that's me. I'm going to replace that story I'm going to show you that that story is, is me. And so instead of taking this and remembering just that you were rescued from Egypt, people of Israel or disciples in the upper room, he says, take this and, and, and recognize that, that this is me. This is the freedom and, and forgiveness that I give to you. We get an opportunity to do that. He says to do this as often as you will in remembrance of him. And so our aim is that we would remember him.
that as you take the bread, which represents his body that was broken for you, and the juice that represents his blood that was poured out for you, that you would remember the great news of Jesus' sacrifice. We have an open table here, meaning you don't have to be a member. If you're a believer in Jesus, we would love for you to share, with, share this meal with us. Uh, if you are not, let me, let me say this, and then I'll, then I'll step down. Um, if you are not, I, I, we, would, we would definitely love for you to take this time to, to pray and, and think. And, and in light of what we're, what we're talking about today, um, I really do just want to say, maybe, maybe today's the day for you. Maybe you've been hoping for some good news that has never really felt like good news and you're still longing for it, but you know it's not going to come or you know that even if it does, it's not going to be what you, what you long for. Jesus is offering you something better. He is good news. He is the good news. He is the news that you long for. And I, I believe that with everything that I got. That's you today. Come find me afterwards. Come find our prayer team in the yellow lanyards. They would love to talk to you. Talk to somebody about that. Maybe today's the day that you say, I want that good news. I want that to be my good news. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website at www.thegracecity.com to explore all of the ways that you can give, connect, and engage. Thank you again for being with us. Now go live as image bearers of the King.